Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Gracia y paz a ustedes en el nombre del Señor Jesucristo. Well, maybe for some of you who regularly attend chapel this week has been quite a bit different from what you are used to seeing in chapel. You in this little world of the seminary have seen and tasted a little bit of what heaven is going to be like the vision the Apostle John had in Revelation 7, where he states, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And now you have in front of you another immigrant from Costa Rica, with a heavy accent and broken English, like my Cuban partner said yesterday. Yes, that's what we are. God has brought us here to America, and it's wonderful to ponder in our hearts and minds how God works mysteriously in the events of the world of the nations of the world to accomplish His purpose and decrees, even without men being aware of it. Each of us has a history of how the Lord has worked in our lives and brought us to this point in life where we all are here together worshiping the only true God. We who have been illumined by the grace of God can read our personal story from a theological standpoint. But I wonder, what about those who are not part of God's redeemed people? What about those that, who being part of, of us cannot read their personal stories from God's perspective? Many people live like if God would not exist. This reminds me of a funny story I read some time ago. Two little boys were best friends at church, but they both had a reputation for getting into trouble. One Sunday, one of the boys was homesick. But the other boy, not wanting to let his friend down, was twice as bad as normal. As he was running through the sanctuary after church, the pastor grabbed him and angrily said, Where is God? The little boy was frightened and didn't know what to say. The pastor continued, I want you to go home and think about it, and I don't want you to come back until you can tell me where God is. The boy went home and called his sick friend on the telephone. Guess what? He said, they've lost God and they are trying to blame that one on us too. <clears throat> Have you lost your God? Is it possible to lose God? Do you think it is hard to find God when you're in a big trouble? or when you're facing illness, or when you can't pay your tuition? When is it especially difficult for you to find God? Yeah, we all understand that, uh, theologically speaking, God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. But from another perspective, God reveals himself locally, especially when he clearly wants to be found by us when he wants us not to be confused about what 
where he is or who he is. He comes to us in special ways and sometimes we notice him and sometimes we don't. In the Old Testament passage that we just read and heard from the book of Deuteronomy, we find that Moses is addressing the people of Israel before his death, knowing that he will not enter the promised land. This passage is in a poetic context. It is a song that Israel should sing and remember when they entered the land as a warning and reminder of their behavior. And I tell you, their behavior in the 40 years of wandering in the desert was by no means a good one. On the contrary, it was a despicable, morally reprehensible conduct that reflected that they neither trusted nor believed in God above all things as we are commanded in the first commandment. The thrust of the argument of this song is that Israel persists in its faithlessness despite repeated evidence of Yahweh's faithfulness to his covenant. Moses expresses the hope that his teaching will fall upon Israel like life-giving rain and dew, because his wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, is the only one, is the only source of Israel's life and future. God is called throughout the song, the rock, the rock. This epithet accentuates Yahweh's strength and protection against one's enemies. But also, it accentuates permanence and reliability. The rock. Just as the rock neither moves nor varies in shape and form, Yahweh can be trusted to remain true in all that he says and does. He is not fickle, arbitrary, or capricious. But the song goes on to show the sharpest contrast you can ever imagine. The contrast between Yahweh's constancy and Israel's fickleness could hardly be sharper. Whereas Yahweh is the rock of fidelity, Israel acts corruptly. Whereas Yahweh acts with integrity, Israel is blemished. Whereas Yahweh is just upright, and justice comes from him, Israel is twisted. And to make the iniquity even more apparent, the thesis of the song culminates in the pointed accusatory rhetorical question in verse 6 that says, Is this any way to repay Yahweh? Is this any way to repay Yahweh? Only a foolish people, totally devoid of wisdom, would return rebellion for constancy in this manner. The case against Israel, my brothers, is airtight. They have broken faith with the God who cared for them with the constancy of a rock and the love of a parent. But I ask you this morning, is it only Israel that has been unfaithful to the only true God? Haven't we denied this true God with our thoughts and actions by what we have done and by what we have left undone? Don't we deny God when we do not love, obey, and trust in God above all things? The first commandment is the foundation 
of all the rest of the commandments. Because if you fail to know the only true God, then you are worshiping idols. And according to this song of Moses, in verse 17, you are not only worshiping idols, you are worshiping demons. The song reports God's reaction to Israel's ungrateful, ungrateful rebellion. And let me tell you, God's reaction is really awful. Awful thoughts indeed. Having seen Israel's ingratitude, Yahweh decides to hide his face. To turn away, no longer to see Israel's needs. And uh, although the popular percep perception of God's wrath that depicts Yahweh as angry and punitive, one of the more frightening prospects discussed in the, in, the, in the Bible involves not God's active punishment of sin, but God's withdrawal. Can you imagine this life without God? As Paul would later describe it in the book of Romans, he says, Therefore, God gave them up. Think about that phrase, God gave them up. Can there be anything worse than to be abandoned by God? But there is good news in this passage also. Yes, there is good news. The song also brings the, the message in verse 39 that says, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. This God, brothers and sisters, is a merciful God, a God that wants to be known by his creatures, and he, was made, he wants to make sure that this revelation is understood and unmistakable. He decided to reveal himself in flesh, in Jesus Christ. Whoever sees him sees the Father. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Literally, this passage from John says that the Son of God has made the exegesis of the Father. He has brought the Father to light for us to see him clearly and know him. God reveals himself in mysterious ways. And to avoid any confusion on our part, he has said that if you feel that you have lost your God and you want to find him, he says, come to my word, come to my sacraments. There I am for you. You can find me here where I want to reveal myself for you. He reveals himself in the weakness of the cross and the foolishness of the gospel. Every time you read and hear his word, he's there for you. He's there personally for you. Every time you come to the communion rail and receive simple bread and simple wine given and shed for you, he is there for you. So I want to ask you, are you running around like the, two, the, the, like the little kid in the sanctuary trying to find God? Don't you find who to blame it on? Stop searching for God. The God and Father of Jesus Christ has found you. He took the initiative to look for you and receives you 
with open arms in Jesus Christ. He is there to restore, forgive, and lift you up. He has proven to be faithful in the past as a rock, and he will continue to be your support, your strength, and your shield in your earthly pilgrimage. Now the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Amen.